You're listening to the Bay Christian Family Church Podcast. Praise God as you see that open your Bible at Matthew chapter 6. You may as well keep a permanent marker there. Because that is our mandate this year. How many of you were here for New Year's Eve? If you weren't here, I hope you've heard the message by now. It is on podcast. How many of you were here on the weekend, either morning or evening or both? Can I just see your hand? And how many of you were not able to make it? Let me just see. I'm not checking up on you. I just need to. Now, this is, I know I say it regularly about all the messages, but I believe Sunday morning's message in my 30 years of ministry is the most important message I've ever preached. I've, if you take what I said on Sunday morning, I've, I've spoken about it many times as one-liners or a passage in all my messages. It, it's, it's the underlying message of the kingdom of God. But the Lord really led me to bring it together as a concise message, as one message. You can sit down and listen to in one sitting, and you can get the whole heartbeat of Jesus. He made it his priority. He, he was very clear about what his priorities are. And the only way we're going to succeed in the kingdom of God is when we make the decision to lay aside our flesh our ambitions, our desires, our motivations, our ambitions. When Jesus approached the disciples and he said, launch out into the deep for a catch, and they caught a whole bunch of fish, Peter was shocked and amazed that this was even possible because they fished all night and they've never seen a catch like this, even during nighttime, never mind the day when you shouldn't be fishing. And he fell down and said, forgive me, Lord, I'm a sinful man. And Jesus turned and said, from now on, I'll make you fishers of men. It wasn't even about the fish. God wants you prosperous, but that's not why he saved you. See, people have made it about prosperity, and it's not. That's not why we saved. God wants to bless you, wants to look after you. He wants to protect you, but for what reason? So that you're fully equipped and ready to preach the kingdom of God. That's the priority. In other words, everything can get into our life, but when life starts beginning cluttered and you've got to clean up, you're going to have to whittle down and get things out the way. You've got to get back to what is the original purpose. And if we lose sight of that, you can land off. You only have to be off by one degree. You've heard it said before that if you want to launch a, a rocket, when they, when, they, when they went for the moon, they didn't aim at the moon and poof, shoot the rocket at the moon. That rocket took off the best way possible to get off the planet. And then as it went up, what's the destination? The moon. So it had to make calculations and adjust. And then they made little adjustments all along the way. You've got to keep making adjustments. Why? Because even if you're one degree off, by the time you travel that distance, you can be thousands of kilometers away from where you're supposed to be. We can only be one degree, half a degree off. So we've got to keep coming back to the original purpose. And God has called us this year, 2024, 
to become more aware of our original purpose. Why were we first put here? What is the reason you saved? To get to heaven, yes. But I've said it so many times before, the only purpose was to get you to heaven. You know people who've backslidden. So surely God in his sovereignty could have seen them backsliding. So when they gave their life to Jesus, should have just raptured that person. They, they're not going to last. Take him to heaven. But he doesn't do that. You left for a purpose. We are in this earth for a reason. And Jesus said in Matthew 6, seek priority. Everybody say priority. Seek first the kingdom of God. You think about how the enemy works. Everything in life, I'm not talking about God's life, I'm talking about living on the, as a human. Everything that's in the world is shouting louder and louder and louder and is getting more and more easy to access it the more technologically advanced the world becomes. These things become more and more easily accessible and all of it is just noise and distractions to drown out the original purpose. You should be going for a bigger car, bigger house. Look what he's got. Look what they got. Where, where are they traveling? You haven't been here yet. You should have. You should be. You've got, and it's all distraction, 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 distraction. And if we don't learn to drown those things out, if we don't have priorities, that distraction can get us off track. That's where that one degree off track happens. So Jesus, right from the beginning, set it in place. Seek first. You get your priorities right. If your priority is right, there's no reason why you're still not going to travel. You get your priority right, there's no reason you can't have a nice house. You can still have a nice car. You can still have a great family. You can still go out and achieve great things. But the underlying priority is the kingdom of God. So if something's distracting me and is not feeding this kingdom of God priority, I need to get that out of my life. I need to lay it down. So much so, where when they decided to follow Jesus, they laid their nets down. They laid down. In other words, anything that's distracting you. And Jesus went so far as to say, even family. Even family. Now you know God's a family God. Father God. Father of God of Abram, Isaac, Jacob, generations. And yet when it comes to the kingdom of God, Jesus first. And anybody that gets in the way of that must be put aside. If you are family and you with Jesus, with me, we're even tighter. Now we're strong family. And I, and, and, and I love my family. Blood is blood. You know family's family. I always love them. But I keep praying and interceding. But if any starts to distract from this call, I have to say, I keep praying for you. But you're not going to keep me out the house of God. You're not going to persecute me, say things enough for me to lay down what I believe. Because that can happen. You can get somebody that you really respect in the family and say, that church you go to, I heard about your pastor. Now you're trying to keep the family happy, so now we don't talk about it as that much. I'm glad I had a mother 
who even at the threat of me saying, I will walk out your life, still dared to go talk to my wife and say, Jesus will heal you. I might lose my son over this, but you're more important. God loves you. He's healed you, and we need you to know that. And in that boldness, the Spirit of God could move in my heart, and I gave my life to Jesus. You getting this? We're not apologizing for who we are. I said we're not apologizing for who we are. Now, I'm not talking about becoming obnoxious and being Bible bashers. And, you know, I'm talking about just live the life of Jesus. And this is why Sunday morning's message is so important. Because if you look at this, seek first the kingdom of God, His righteousness. Do it the way He does it. What happens? All the other things are added. And so Jesus gave us the most important instruction in Matthew 28, verse 18. He said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Go, therefore, and... Make disciples. This is the reason I've been given the authority. Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to observe how many? All the things I've commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. So all things includes this last instruction. So we need to be making disciples. Doing what? Teaching this way of life. So what commandments are we talking about? Well, John 13, verse 34, Jesus says a new commandment. Now, to me, that would mean this is really important. He's got all the laws that he did in the old covenant, but now there's one he's reserved for the new covenant. You getting this? A new commandment. That you love one another as I have loved you. Now, that refers back to what we heard this last Sunday, Matthew 22, verse 34 to 40, when the, the, the lawyers, the Pharisees came and they wanted to question him, what's the greatest commandment? He said, the greatest commandment is love God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your mind. That's the foundation. How many you love God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your mind? Yes, amen. They say, hang on. There's, there's an attachment. You, you, you cannot do that on its own. It comes with an addendum. Love your neighbor. Everybody say neighbor. As yourself. So I cannot say I love God and have a problem with my neighbor. Can I say it again? I cannot say I love God, at the same time, have a problem with my neighbor. Love God with all your heart, with all your soul, all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. He says these two are equal. They go together. Now, on that foundation, Jesus ups the ante. He says it's not just love others as you love yourself. Love others the way I love you. Now, if I'm going to love any way, anyone, the way Jesus loves me, then I'm going to give up on my flesh and my ability to love people. Because I've messed that up lots of times. Have you say amen? I'm just going to say, Jesus, I, I must love others the way I love myself. I've messed that up many times. 
but to love others the way you love me, then I'm just going to have to forget all that I ever hold as prejudices, as problems or issues, things that usually get me offended, get me worried, get me panicky. I've got to put all that aside because when Jesus loves you, he'll love you while you are sinning. Isn't that amazing? We find out someone's hurt us, we don't want to talk to them. Jesus, while, 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 while you are busy sinning. Now, not, not you, I'm talking about, you know, really bad people. He's calling you in. Have you noticed, ever since you got saved, sin just isn't fun anymore? Come on, how do you know what I'm talking about? Why is that? Why is that when you didn't care? Before we were saved, we didn't care. Someone says, that's a sin. Oh, but I say, oh hallelujah. You, know, you ask people, you realize that you're going to go to hell? Yeah, I'll have my bride with all my friends down there. You know, we, we joked about these things because we didn't see the implications of it. So what, it's sin. So everyone's doing it. And yet, even now that you're saved, sometimes get caught up into a temptation while you're doing it, you're going, it's like you feel, it's, it's, and then when you're done, it's like, why, 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 why? Come on, how do you know what I'm talking about? What is that? That's the Holy Spirit constantly calling and calling and calling. I know you, you, I know you know, I know you know what you're doing is wrong, but come on. Step out. Step out now. Step out now. You're going down the wrong road. Step out now. And he's calling and calling. That's why eventually you go, okay. I repent. Isn't that right? Immediately you ask for forgiveness. That's a cleansed. You're cleansed. Cleansed. He says, I even forgive you of the guilt of that sin. That's how much he wants us to be in his presence. Love others that way. Are we able to do that? I believe with all my heart. I, I make this as a quality decision. It has been tested and I've passed so far. And, and, I, and I don't say this arrogantly because I'm cautious to, to make sure. You know, I don't want pride to be the motivation. But I want to believe that it will happen every time. There are people that have done things to me, to my wife and I as a family, to the ministry. Things have been done that are uh, bad, lack of integrity and, and things like that. Just, you know, just done things that would offend anybody else. But I believe with all my heart, if I saw them in the mall and they looked at me and said, can we go have a coffee? I would put on a genuine smile say, bless you, brother. Let, let's go sit down. Let's go have a coffee. I'll bring anybody. If anyone here has ever, you know someone who has a problem with Alan Bag, Bring him. I'll love him. I'll hug him. I'll sit down. Ask all the questions you want to ask. What, what is it that's bothering you? Let's clear it. Clear it. Why? I need a clear spirit. I need nothing on my table. And I'm not prepared to keep anything on the table. And if someone comes, you know, that Alan Bag, I heard he has a problem with this one. Tell them they're lying. Because yes. <laughs> I don't. I genuinely don't. Now, like anything, how many of you got children? 
When your children are wrong, you're angry, right? You want to correct them. Does it stop your loving them? But you need to bring correction. So there may be some people, and you sit down and say, now, you know I love you, but we need to sort why people think there's a problem. Because this and this happened, and you need to be aware. In the kingdom of God, that doesn't work. But it's all from a heart of love. I want reconciliation. Nothing. I'll sit down next to anybody. Any human on the planet, I'll sit next to them willingly. Not sit there like... "Mm." Why? Because of this instruction. How would Jesus love this person? You think of the sinniest sinner. Jesus died for that person. When he died on that cross, he had that person on his mind. And if they called out in their dying moments, Lord, forgive me, they would have been saved. People are like, oh, after a lifetime of that evil, just say, Jesus. That's what happened on the thief on the cross, isn't it? He said, Lord, he says, today I'll see you in paradise. Hallelujah. Family, we need to renew our minds to this. I know Pastor Sam called it a hiding, but it's not. We just, this is just who, who we're supposed to be. Isn't that right? This is who we are. Can I get a bigger Amen. I can see people look at me with a serious tone of voice. I I do understand that these things aren't always very easy to practice. But really, it's a decision. It is a decision. At that moment, you can flip to this side or that side. And it's a choice. I lay before you life and death, blessing, cursing. Now choose life. That's your choice for life. Loving others The way I love you. By this, all will know you are my disciples. Family, this preaches louder than anything any evangelist will say from a pulpit. You can preach about the goodness of Jesus, see signs, wonders, miracles, people getting out of wheelchairs. A hundred thousand people put their hands up, giving their life to the Lord. And yet you go back next year, where are those people? Are they serving Jesus? But when someone has an encounter with a compassionate love, that I am here for you, my Father is here for you, and I want you to meet a Father who loves you. Let me introduce you to a loving Father, and let me disciple you through the process. Because there are things that will come. I know in my own life, when I looked at my early days as a Christian, things that I didn't even think were an issue. I just didn't, you know, that wasn't a problem. And meanwhile, it wasn't total commitment, kingdom of God first. And my pastor called me on it. And when he called me on it, I could have said, excuse me, I also have a life, you know. No, that life... Is it kingdom first? Because if I make kingdom first, I'll make that adjustment. And because I made that adjustment, our lives went to another dimension. And we just kept growing through that. You find people that buck and come up against every instruction. You, you know, and why are you asking me? Are you checking up on me? How come? You know, I've got my own life. We've got a family. You know, 
Those people always, they, 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 they wheel spin. And everyone else is growing, yeah? And, and, and then, you know, yeah, we are 20 years later, but they're still babies. How many want to stay babies? See, I... <laughs> No one signed up for that. You see, we don't want, that's how quickly that arm came down, because we don't want to be there. So why are people making choice for that? Because either they are just plain stubborn and arrogant or uh, prideful or whatever, or they're ignorant. But that's why I'm in your life, is to stir that up so that you're aware these, that, that's exactly what it is. The moment I say, I, me, mine, I've stepped away from kingdom first. Because kingdom first is priority. And when I make kingdom first priority, then all these other things happen. And by living that kind of life, living a dem- demonstrating life of Jesus, speaks way louder And others will look at it and say, hang on, now there's something different. Those people are genuine. When they love, they love. Come on, get a bigger amen. Amen. So James called it the royal law. The royal law. Everybody say royal law. Now remember 1 John 4 verse 7 says, Beloved, let us love one another. Love is of God. Everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Say that God is love. So, obviously, when it comes to walking out the kingdom, there are certain scriptures that we will walk by, obviously. There's commandments in the Word, you know, for example, singing to the Lord to worship Him, honoring Him through tithes and offerings, praying for the sick. There, there are things that we receive from the Word. But in, in walking it out into a practical lifestyle, there are certain ways of doing things. Like, why do we run services the way we do? They didn't do this and some people say, well, they don't, you know, I can't see Jesus doing that. You know, like, you know, should you be driving a Mercedes? Jesus never rode a, drove a Mercedes. He rode a donkey. Well, do, a, do some research, just, just the shallow research, and you'll find there were no Mercedes in those days. You know, how, how stupid can we be and still try and breathe? But the point is... No, I didn't mean that in a horrible way. I mean, you know, God bless their heart. I, I, I love them, and I, I want people to come up to a knowledge of the Word. Sometimes we say things, we don't realize how, how dumb they are. So, what I am saying is, no, Jesus didn't do that in those days, or the early church didn't do this in that way, but we've learned over time there's certain practical ways of, of walking out. So, 
obviously it it's developed over time. So we say, okay, let's believe that. You realize we have been in the ministry for 30 years. Someone just joins us now. We're doing something. Why do you do it this way? It's taken us 30 years to develop it. Because in the early days, someone says, we should do it this way. Yeah, we tried that. Are you with me? So we tried that. Found out practically as far as people, time, community, uh, facilities, availabilities, people's you know, all that sort of thing. All, that, there's so many factors that play in, and we find out, okay, generally, for the majority of people, this works. So, we, so we, we flow in a certain process. So when it comes to our home cells, life groups, why do they exist? Why do we do that? Because you realize that your traditional church would mean you meet on a Sunday, maybe once. And that's church. We've done church, and then we go out and live the rest of our life like there's no Jesus, and then come back on Sunday and get the tick again. But we're not that way. We are kingdom people. You see, we're not doctors trying to be Christians. We're not lawyers trying to be Christians or secretaries trying to be Christians or you know, whatever your profession may be. No, we first... Believers, we are kingdom of God, believers, kingdom disciples, discipling one another, and then I have the side hustle, which gives me seed. Are you with me? And so the reason for this is so that I got something to live with. But my priority is, it's not, I'm not called just the pastors, not just the full time. We are all ministers of the gospel. And so when we get together on a home cell on a Wednesday, this is generally since the day we planted the church, what the Lord laid in my heart is that we will use Sunday mornings as that line upon line, precept upon precept, the detail of the scripture. By the mouth of two or three witnesses, truth is established. Get the truth grounded. Then in the evenings is trust God for his move. The Holy Spirit empowerment. In other words, it's taking just the word, which in, I've called before, that's the wood of the fire. And then the evening we ignite that fire. So now the power aspect of that word. Then we get together in community because right now, like we're sitting here, this is more a Greek kind of lifestyle. You think Jew and Greek. Yes, those are the two aspects of the, the, the word that is written in the Bible, the Old Testament Jewish, the New Testament Greek. Jewish way of studying and, and learning is in community, talking to one another, fellowshipping, asking questions. You know, there's a lot of times when, do, when, when they asked Jesus a question, he responded with a question. What's that doing? It's invoking thought. It's invoking intent. So, but if we did it in this, in this environment, it'd be chaos. Everybody has a question. We wouldn't get to any detail. So write it down. Get it down. Get the information in. Go meditate on it Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, or whatever day you meet. Is now I take that word and I say, how is this going to change my life? How, how's it going to impact you? What are the three most important things you got out of a Sunday? I just want to say, that's a good message. Hallelujah. Right. What three things did you learn? Oh, ah, hallelujah. <laughs> no, I want to know, how's it changing you? What, what, 
were you doing that because of what you've heard, you're making that adjustment? I'm, I'm aiming for the moon. So I'm a little off track here. I need to bring this back into track. And that's where discipleship happens. So in the home cell environment, it's, it's that community together. And then individually, you're going to meet for a coffee with the person you're discipling. Who are you discipling? Who are you loving? Who do you love enough to call and say how things are going? But also the Bible says there's a, a friend, a words from a friend, a brother that, that, that hit harder. In other words, let me put it to you this way. You have a friend and someone who's discipling you. Now it can be your friend. But a friend loves you so much that we just get on together. You do your thing, I do mine. But your discipler loves you too much to leave you that way. I'm supposed to be able to bring something out on the table and say, Pastor Sam, this is an issue that I see. And it's about growth. It's not about checking up or legalistic. It's, it's about if you, if you make this little adjustment, you're going to go to another level. Amen. Now, Pastor Sam can respond, oh, yeah, I thought we were friends. <laughs> no, that's exactly what a true friend will do. Amen. Jesus said, no greater love has a friend than to lay down his life for his brother. So we need to be able to have that person in our lives. So that person is not someone just we're familiar with or just me from the pulpit. This is a form of discipleship. Your area pastor is a form of discipleship. Your home cell leader is a form. But you need that one-on-one -on -one contact with one another. So who's discipling you and who are you discipling? Now, that's to grow ourselves. But there's more than ourselves. There's more just than you and me. Our own personal growth. Personal growth is vitally important. But the purpose for personal growth goes beyond ourselves. There was this account where Paul had been arrested with Silas. Acts chapter 16 verse 25. At midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were loosed. And the keeper of the prison, awakening from sleep and seeing the prison doors open, supposing the prisoners had fled, drew his sword and was about to kill himself. So you understand what happened. There was this great earthquake and all the doors flung open. And obviously this God was afraid of his superiors finding out. And the fact that he wants to kill himself tells me that the guy who's in charge of him wouldn't just execute him. He's probably going to torture him a, a horrific, painful death. So it's easier if I kill myself. And he's lost all his prisoners. I'm going to be executed in a horrible way. So let me just kill myself now. And Paul called with a loud voice saying, Do yourself no harm, for we are all here. Now you know that's a miracle. Yeah. A prison bursts open, and your most hardened, murderous criminal 
is sitting and one looking at an open door. And he's not going anywhere. There must have been angels standing at that door because he didn't just open that prison to get Paul and Silas out there. He says, all of us are still here. And so he called for a light, ran in and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. Now, why do you think he would do that? He realizes this is a miracle. How's this possible? And then he brought them out and said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? Family of God, when we lay down our lives and say, it's no longer I who live, it's Christ who lives in me. Father, use me to seek first the kingdom of God. I want to see people saved. You might land up in a situation that needs a miraculous deliverance. And then we want, God, where are you? How could you let this happen? I, I've been believing you. I've been trusting you. God, I don't understand why I'm going through such difficult times. That could be why you're still going through difficult times. Because you're wheel spinning. Instead, if we do what he did in the midnight hour, when it's at its darkest, when you think God has given up on you, you're down in the deepest part of the dungeon. He lifts his hands and begins to praise God. And Father, I thank you. I do know this. I know you may not have put me here. This might have been the work of the enemy, but the steps of a righteous man are ordered of the Lord. And your word is a light to my path and a lamp to my feet. I don't know how you're going to do it, but through this situation, somebody's going to get saved. I'm not going to go through this pain and just come out, you know, feeling sorry for myself. If I have to endure this hardship, I'm calling on souls. I'm calling on someone to be saved. This, this situation will be turned to your good and someone's getting saved because of this situation. And what happens? That's when the miracle takes place. And all of a sudden, he falls on his knees and how, how must I be saved? He's calling on salvation. And so they said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, verse 31, and you will be saved. Now here's a statement. You and your household. You and your household. You and your household. You underline and your household. I'm going to come back to us. I want to finish reading. We'll come back to verse 31. So they spoke the Lord to him, the word of the Lord to him and all who were in his house. And he took them that same hour of the night, washed their stripes, and immediately he and all his family were baptized. And when he had brought them into his house, everyone say house, he set, set food before them and he rejoiced having believed in God with all his household. Everybody say household. Come back to verse 31. You and all your household. That word household in the original Greek is the word oikos. O-I-K-O-S. Oikos. Now oikos can mean your immediate household. Like Janine, myself, and our three kids. That, that's an oikos. But oikos extends further. In the Hebrew culture, 
How many of you have heard the statement, it takes a village to raise a child? I was raised in a generation where kids were sent out to go play and come be home for dinner. And of course, when you got a whole neighborhood of kids, you know someone's going to get up to nonsense somewhere. And when that group got up to nonsense and the first parent arrived, that parent gave everyone a hiding. It wasn't just dad. You go home and say, Dad, Uncle Bob gave me a hiding. Really? What did you do? Well, I did it. Turn around. You get another one. How many of you know what I'm talking about? So what are we saying here? Now, I'm not just advocating group hidings. <laughs> I'm saying that Oikos was beyond just that building house. It was community. We trusted, my parents trusted their friends that they wouldn't abuse the situation. In other words, if they did give a hiding, the child deserved it. Are you with me? But they also helped counsel and they helped gave instruction. There was wisdom from everybody. It was an extended family. It was community. And that is the Hebrew culture. They, they were very community-based. So oikos goes beyond just you. In other words, it's the person you know, and then that person knows somebody and that person knows somebody. That, that, that is your oikos. It's, it's, it's spreading out like a net. So what a home cell does, the home groups, where here on a Sunday, you got believers and the, maybe, you know, a few people that people invite, they will get saved. That's like fishing with a fishing line. But if you look how they fished, when Jesus said, go fish, he said, launch out the nets. So when you throw out the net, it's taking all the home cells and throwing it out over the whole neighborhood. So now the net falls on the neighborhood. And you can reach people through your oikos relationships that I can't get to. But because I know you, and you know someone who knows somebody, and that talks about your neighbor next door, the one that keeps cutting your heads and keeps stealing your fruit and, keeps, and, and kicks your dog, that one that you can't wait to move, that's the one you're going to love the way Jesus loves. Do you love them enough to put all that aside? Because as long as they don't know Jesus, they will die. If they die tonight, they're going to hell. And I need to get that person saved. That oikos is that net that goes out. My mother showed me her Bible. And she, back then when just was her and her husband who got saved, she wrote down all the names of our family. And she prayed over them every single day. She showed me the list just the other day. And all, like my name, Janine's name, and all the names are getting ticked off. And she has a vision that... And then she wants it to happen before she passes. Now I'm standing in agreement with her because that's her desire. She sees the day she'll stand in church with all her children in there. See, that's, that's oikos. It's not just about, you know, my, my eldest became a preacher. Hallelujah. At least one of them. No, she's still committed. Even today, it's oikos, oikos, oikos. She's, she's still praying for the household because there's the promise. You and 
your household. God didn't just save you to save you. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. You will be saved. And your oikos. Your oikos is that person sitting next to you at your desk. It's that person across the counter. It's that person that you meet in the grocery store. So your home cell is not just about getting together us four and no more. We just get there and we, and we, we have coffee and, and it's nice. And you know, we don't want to grow too big because then we have to multiply. You know, and, then, and then we have to say goodbye to each other. You know, and then the pastor comes and says, hey, listen, you guys are now 30 or 40. It's time to, you know, you're a little congregation now. You need, you need to multiply. Yeah, but we like getting together. We, we, we like. No, it's not about you. Go have coffee in a coffee shop somewhere. But you need to multiply so that there's more space. The oikos is getting bigger. You're reaching further. So you take those 40, you make four groups of 10. Those 10 can reach their oikos. These 10 can reach these oikos. And if you really still want to get together, get together Thursday for lunch. But the life groups, the home cells, is not about your time of fellowship and rubbing shoulders with the people you like. That is part of it. Of course, you're fellowshipping around the Word. But the purpose of it is to strengthen the nets, spread the nets. There's a whole harvest out there. Jesus said the harvest is ripe. It's ready. Pray the Lord of a harvest to raise up laborers. And there's something about multiplying a home cell that evokes growth. You notice even plants, if you'd never prune them, they get so big, they produce fruit, but every year the fruit gets smaller and smaller and smaller and the bush gets thicker and thicker and thicker and smaller and smaller. Do you want a bush? Or do you want fruit? You want fruit? It has to be pruned. It has to be thinned down. It has to be... We've seen it even practically on a large scale. Every time we've moved, we took a step of faith. In the beginning, we didn't always understand it. It was because God had spoken. I trust Him. You said, launch out, nevertheless at your word. But it's kind of daunting when you just have a handful of people. And then you come into a building this size. And you only fill up the first three rows. And you think, we've got to carry a building this size with this few people? But the moment we moved, the growth took place. And then you get to a place where we're now we're full again. Both morning services, back. It's time to grow. That wall's coming down soon. Boom, we're going through. This wall coming down. Boom, we're going through. All the way. The whole, eventually, that whole back lot there, that's all going to be parking. Oh, you're getting what I'm saying. What am I saying? We, we're expanding. Well, the same way with the home cells. It's time to multiply. Because we are seeking first the kingdom. Not just me, my comfort zone. Hallelujah. Sometimes cell leaders say, I don't know, I don't have any leaders in the group. You're sitting with a room full of leaders. Every person in there has capacity. But that capacity never realized. Uh, let me see how many fathers here. You've got fathers, you're fathering children, mothers of mothers of children. 
Now, before your first child came, you wondered, am I capable? The moment that child's born, the capacity is there. Multiply the home cell. Stretch. So how are we going to fill the home cell? You have a whole oikos out there. You and all your household. Who are you going to lead to Jesus? Just think. Mothers, fathers, uncles, aunts, brothers, sisters, cousins. You name it. You, you go all the way down the line. And then whoever they know. Because your brother, your sister's married to somebody. And they got brothers, sisters, mothers, uncles, aunts, grannies. And then they, sister, sisters, have got sisters and uncles and aunties and grannies. That's oikos. It just keeps spreading. All you do is you just focus on your next level. Who do you know? Let me see. How many of us know someone who has not yet been saved? Okay, if you haven't got your hand up, you're the person that needs to get saved. <laughs> we all know someone. Isn't that right? So let's reach out. Let's reach out. And let's not wait till we're locked in a prison having to praise at midnight. We can do it today. Amen. Amen. Have you ready to reach your oikos? More than ever before. Come, let's stand together. Hallelujah. Just raise your hand and say, Father, I stand before you. Having heard your word. Jesus, you made it clear. Your priority are the souls of men and women. And you have called me to make disciples. Today, I answer with a resounding yes. I'm here for you. I lay aside my own comfort zones. I lay aside my own ambitions. And I center them on your mission. I seek first your kingdom, your righteousness, your desire to reach my oikos. You have called an oikos around me, and I see them coming to Jesus. My prayer time is consumed with praying for them, that the scales would be removed, that you would give me opportunity to lead them to Jesus. And I see my entire oikos serving you, standing beside me, standing around me. I see us all coming to you as our Lord and Savior. From this day on, the reason I take breath is to lead others to Jesus. To grow, to multiply, to increase your kingdom. And I thank you for the precious grace of the Holy Spirit to enable me to do this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Praise God.